0: Some time for this today because I was scrambling doing some last minute research on on how the logistics of tequila works Cinco de Mayo. So let's go ahead and dive into you know sort of some fun facts that I found out on the logistics of tequila. And first and foremost, I have to preface this with something that I learned just this morning, and my you know I guess my ignorance is showing. But uh, Cinco de Mayo is not about celebrating the Mexican Independence Day. The Mexican Independence Day is actually on September 16th. Today, Cinco de Mayo is actually more of a celebration on Mexico defeating France in the Battle of Pueblo after France invaded their country. So that is what Cinco de Mayo is about celebrating. And it's really a larger celebration in the US with you know great music and food and of course, tequila. But how did tequila become such a popular drink? And that was really where a lot of my historicalness, I guess, comes from or my historical passion comes from. Because it starts as early as the year 900 when the Aztecs discovered the blue agave plant. That is a big sort of prickly plant that you might see on the screen right now. It looks like a giant cactus. But essentially what happened nine in the year 900, the Aztecs, uh, it was a bunch of these plants where lightning struck them and the locals noticed a sweet smell that was coming out of them. So they thought that this was a gift from the gods. And so in Mexico, now that we have, you know, tequila around, it's, I guess, more massly produced there's a lot of sort of misconception on how to actually drink it. In the U.S., we primarily just shoot it with lime and salt. But in Mexico, it's supposed to be sipped on like a bourbon. And it's not with salt and lime, but you sip on it like a bourbon. And Mexico also lays claim to the word tequila, much like Kentucky and the word bourbon. So it's kind of a little bit of similarities there between the word bourbon, um, the derby, the Kentucky Derby is this weekend as, as well. So it always kind of falls around the same. You know, sort of date wise with Cinco de Mayo and the Kentucky Derby. So it's kind of cool to see those similarities there that Mexico owns that word tequila. You cannot, you know, sort of like, uh, I guess, France with the word champagne. You cannot call something champagne if it's not made in France. So Mexico lays claim to the word tequila. And if you want to make tequila, all of tequila comes from Mexico and about 90% of it comes from a little small town in Mexico. And to find good tequila, you need to try to look for family farms who focus on the blue agave plant. So looking at the labels on the bottles, you can see um, if you look at a lot of different tequila bottles, they have 100% blue agave or 100% agave written on the label. If they don't have that written on the label, then it's not legit um then it's only like a you know about 50% of blue agave that is actually used within that tequila. So look for that 100% agave label. It doesn't necessarily have to say blue agave. If as long as it says 100% agave then that is the real stuff and that's you know the people who are buying like the the mixtures that's the the people that are shooting the tequila and not sipping on it like a fine uh, like a fine drink that you would like a cognac or a bourbon. And then another fun fact that I found is that with these farms the the plant is harvested after seven years. so you see these cactuses and you think that they you know they're almost like succulents where they just grow like wildfire, and that's not the case at all. It takes seven years for these plants to mature and every even today it's harvested by hand. We saw we played a clip earlier about the harvesting process and the leaves are all chopped off using this specialized tool and then thrown into a shredder where it enters into the next step and then the next step is uh, I can use an example from this ca- Casa uh in Mexico they break down their awesome distillery but they break down the logistics process of their own tequila that they make in-house and so three approach or they have three approaches to the extraction and the refining of the sugar from the blue agave plant so they have it what's called the Tahona extraction which which involves pressing a stone, the tahona, against the floor where a small bed of the agave lives. And then they have the next type of extraction is called a mill extraction, where it involves cooking and pressing torn agave through iron rollers. And then the other process that they have is called the diffuser extraction, which is mostly using you know a process of water and conveyor belts until you get that sugar from the plant dissolved and then it's, you know, sort of a mixing process until you get that concentrate of the alcohol level that you're looking for. And then also that same website, they have an entire like blog series on how they think about the logistics process. So if you want to, you know, sort of dive in a little bit deeper on how they think about their own logistics process, because if you figure, you know, tequila is only made in Mexico. So they're shipping this product globally. This is in if you're looking at the screen, this is an example of how this one company tackles their distribution all over the world. So they, they have a really great uh, website. So check out, you know, C- Casa if you want to check out more of you know their logistics process and how they actually ship tequila cuz I, I think it's a, it's a really fascinating sort of look into the, the the culture around you know sort of what makes holidays great and what makes holidays great usually is the food the music and the drink that you're sipping on and that i think that there are a lot of sort of similarities that when it comes to this different process because we talked earlier about how bourbon can you can only call something bourbon if it comes from Kentucky? But then there's also another connection too, where a lot of distilleries and a lot of folks or a lot of businesses in Mexico import bourbon barrels from Kentucky and they use these bourbon barrels to age their tequila. I didn't even know that tequila was something that you could age until doing research for this segment. So knowing that you can do, uh, you, you can actually have aged tequila anywhere from, you know, there's, there's the fresh version, of course, where it just goes straight into the bottle, then there's also anywhere from uh, one to three years, and then anywhere over three years, sometimes 25 years is how long this tequila is aged. So if you see it in different colors, if it has a little bit of a bourbon smell, the reason that they have or a bourbon taste to it, the reason it has that smell is because they're importing these bourbon barrels from Kentucky in order to store their tequila. Is it, great. You know, Discovery Channel has um, this moonshiner show. I just found the mo- I found a clip on YouTube um, that I didn't really watch like the whole episode. But the clip was of this moonshiner from, you know, West Virginia, the Carolinas, that, you know, region of the country. He flew down to Mexico and he was, you know, sort of complimenting them on the all of the same sort of techniques that he uses in Moonshine and how it's very, very similar to how they distill tequila as well. And so I thought that that was a really... Great watch. So if you're interested in that, just go Google it on or find it on YouTube on the Moonshiners. You know, checking out how tequila is distilled because that's where the the guy brought up the notion that you can import these barrels from Kentucky in order to store your tequila over a long period of time. Um, And they opened up like a 25 year old barrel, which was amazing. I didn't think that tequila. Uh, not to I guess sound repetitive but I did not think that tequila had been around for that long so really cool story I hope you guys you know as soon as you are are sipping on your tequila today and then you sip on your bourbon on Saturday just know that there's you know some different similarities there but that's sort of the brief history of the logistics of tequila and how it sort of came about
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. And if you did like it, I would love if you could rate and review the show on Apple or Spotify. It'll take you like two minutes of your time, but it helps a ton for a creator like me to be able to show that review like a badge of honor. And it also helps the show get discovered by others. If you'd like to see more of my work, head on over to digitaldispatch.io. I've got some new content collections under the resources tab for folks who are freight brokers, truckers, carriers, freight agents, and also a best of collection for how to fix your website and how to fix your marketing. It's all completely free. And again, that tab is under resources over on the digitaldispatch.io website. The website also includes some links to our social media accounts, along with my products and services, in case any of that is of interest to you. Once again, my name is Blythe Bremlieb, and I thank you for sharing your attention with me today. Until next time, have a magical day.